Welcome to session 58 of the Bible in a Year commentary. If you started this series on the 1st of January, then today should be the 27th of February. Today we'll be looking at Deuteronomy 15 to 16 and Psalm 58. But so far in Deuteronomy, we've read through the beginning of Moses' sermons to the new generation of Israelites. We noted how the perspective shifts. So now it seems like the narrator is looking back at this time in Israel's history from their future and from the other side of the river. We read as Moses recapped how the Israelites got here from Egypt, reminding the people where they've come from and what God has done. He then moved on to his sermons, challenging the Israelites to avoid idolatry and to follow the Lord's commands. He reminded the people that they are a chosen people, not because of their might or righteousness, but because of his faithfulness and goodness. His sermons ended with a call to obedience. He reminded them of when they were obedient to God, he blessed all that they did. But when they were disobedient, they were riddled with diseases and failed at all they did. And so Moses moved on to recap and restate the laws, starting with Israel's worship. The Israelites were not to make images of anything that they then would worship, nor were they to look at other spiritual beings and worship them. They are to worship him alone. Yesterday, we looked at how the Israelites were to deal with those who tried to lead them to worship others, how they were to maintain ritual purity by watching what they eat, and then how they were to practice the tithe. So let's jump in with Deuteronomy 15 to 16. Continuing on from the tithe, Moses goes on to address the rules for supporting the poor. Firstly, every seven years, all debts should be wiped out, so no one is in debt for more than seven years. Secondly, if someone is in need, you shouldn't refuse to lend to them or support them, even if the seventh year when debts are cancelled is coming soon. Thirdly, every seven years, all those forced into being someone else's servant due to poverty are set free. These rules found in Deuteronomy 15 can also be found in Exodus 21 to 23. We see here that God has a heart for the poor. In the society that God wants for us, he wants to reduce poverty to a minimum through the care and support of others. When we get to the New Testament, particularly the Gospel of Luke, this theme is picked up in a major way. Caring for others and supporting others so they can get out of poverty is important and is on God's heart. Once again, we see these things ingrained all the way back in the Old Testament. Social justice and taking care of the poor aren't new ideas. They are not even new to the New Testament. They are baked into God's heart from the beginning. Next are some instructions on firstborn animals. We saw similar instructions back in Exodus 13 verses 12 to 15 and Numbers 18 verses 15 to 18. Here in Deuteronomy, there are a couple of new additions. First is that firstborn animals should be offered at the place that the Lord will choose. And those who bring the offering can then eat of it. This is Deuteronomy 15 verse 20. Then we get instructions on key feasts throughout the year. We see similar instructions in Exodus 23 and Leviticus 23. The twist here in Deuteronomy is the author picks out the three feasts, the Passover, Feast of Weeks and Feast of Booths, where the people are required to go to the place the Lord will choose to celebrate. Finally, we get instructions for setting up judges and upholding justice. Just as protecting the poor is on God's heart, so is protecting the innocent. The key thing is that there are judges who are going to judge fairly, not punish people who are innocent, but definitely punishing those who are guilty. It's worth highlighting that both these instructions and the instructions on dealing with the poor are within this block on worship. Good and proper worship 
flows out of justice, out of right living amongst God's people. And this is an idea that many of the prophets will pick up later. That while the people have continued in all the rituals and offerings, they've oppressed one another and not lived justly. Because of this, God has no interest in their worship. But that's Deuteronomy 15 to 16. Now let's look at Psalm 58. The psalm is attributed to King David and falls into the category of wisdom psalm. It brings the contrast between the righteous and the wicked. Here is a summary of the structure, but I would recommend checking out the written version of this commentary in the description to see the structure properly for yourself. So we start out in verse one. Leaders or gods do not judge righteous. Then we have verse two. The wicked have violent hands. Verses three to five. The wicked are like snakes. Verse six. Break their teeth, O God. Verses 7 to 9, let the wicked be like snails. Verse 10, the righteous have feet cleansed by blood. And verse 11, God will judge. The opening verses contain a word that is incredibly hard to translate, elem. The main reason being we're not entirely sure what it means. If you look across translations, you'll see a wide range of interpretations. Some translations say, you gods. This is because these translators believe Elem to be from the Hebrew word Elohim, meaning gods. If this is the case, then the psalmist is talking to the national guardian angels we look back at in Genesis 11 and Deuteronomy 4. They have been put in place to guard the nations and instead have let wickedness run rampant. Other translators have you rulers. These translators believe that Elem comes from the verb ol, which means to be strong. Others still have you silent ones. For these translators, alem comes from ilem, to be mute. In both these cases, the psalmist would be talking to human leaders who have been silent and allowed injustice to run rampant. Either way, the core beats of the psalm are the same. The psalmist is calling out the leaders, either human or divine, for not leading and judging well. Instead, their hearts are wicked and have promoted violence. Under their leadership, the wicked have spread. They lie, they poison and charm to get their way. The psalmist specifically talks about them having the venom of a serpent. But at the mention of lie and charm, we're to think of the serpent of Genesis 3 and how their wickedness led to death and destruction. The psalmist then calls to God to break the power of the wicked, their teeth. It is with their mouth they spread lies. With their mouths they bite and harm, and with their mouths they desire to consume others. The psalmist continues, asking that God would continue to waste them away, make the wicked blunt and able to do harm, dissolve them like a snail, make them as impotent and harmless as a stillborn, sweep them away and be rid of them. At this, the righteous will once again be strengthened and liberated. The contamination of the wicked will be washed off them. And finally, God will fill the gap. Where previous leaders, human or divine, allowed injustice to run rampant, God will step in and lead the people in justice. In this, we see the importance of justice to God. The injustice and wickedness falls at the feet of the leaders who do not lead better and stop it. 